Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and today we're joined by a commentator whose voice you will have heard on many an occasion if you're a regular viewer of Championship Football. He's worked at Sky Sports for nearly 20 years and also commentated for Talk Sport and the Premier League. It's Gary Taphouse. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. What a pleasure. No, no problem at all. We were just having a little chat before we started recording because the only headphones you had at your disposal were your big commentate, commentator headphones, which you're showing to the camera now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not going to wear them. <laughs> Looks like I'm going skiing or something. <laughs> I mean, I thought it would look good personally, but uh, we'll, we'll go with it anyway. Um, you're, you're very much a regular feature in the championship now, aren't you? How many games have you done this season? Yeah, gosh, I, I don't know the exact number, but um, yeah, no, it's such a pleasure to be working on the championship. It's been a long time coming, actually. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And um, actually, the, the pandemic helped me <laughs> because yeah. there were a lot more games and they needed more people. So they said to me, um, you know, you've been doing some red button championship games for us. Would you like to do uh, one or two live games? And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, amazing. Um, so my very first one was at Rotherham during 2020. Um, and yeah, fantastic. And it's just sort of snowballed from there, really. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very lucky because I'm doing quite a few games at the moment. And long may it continue because I don't have to worry about things like VAR and um, and the like. So, And of course, it's just such an exciting division, isn't it? You know, as every manager I speak to says, essentially everyone can beat everyone else and you never know what drama is going to unfold. It's, um, you know, it's very, very different to the Premier League, obviously, in that respect. Yeah, and that's why we bloody love it here on the second set. Well, I thought it'd be interesting to chat to you because commentating is a very unique job, isn't it? So I thought it'd be cool to hear about the job in general and then we'll have a chat about the championship itself later on so why did you want to be a commentator first of all um gosh yeah if I go right back to when I was um a teenager um I remember watching uh Italia 90 probably a bit before your time um <laughs> the, the world cup that summer and uh it was the first time I'd really sort of paid attention to the broadcast as much as the football. And I, I remember saying to my dad, these guys who are commentating, you know, John Motson, Barry Davis, Brian Moore, etc. Um, I said, you know, is, is that their job? <laughs> do they do this for a living? And he said, yeah, yeah, of course it's a, it's a job. He goes, you know, not a job you'll ever do, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a job. And I, I just couldn't believe that. I just couldn't believe that that was something that people did for a living, that you could go to a match and, and, and describe it for the viewers um and you could get paid for that so 
from that moment on, I thought that's what I want to do. And um, I then really got into radio in a big time, uh, in a big way. And of course, in London, in the late 90s, um, Capital Gold was where it was at. Um, Sony award winning show hosted by Jonathan Pierce. And a lot of the commentators you now know came through that radio station. People mm-hmm. like um, Steve Wilson, Bill Leslie, Ian Crocker, numerous others. They all started on Capital Gold Sports Time and, and worked their way up from there. Um, and I just became an obsessive listener um, to Capital Gold. I'd been listening to it every single night, every weekend. Um, and I kind of made it my mission to get on there. <laughs> and uh, it actually happened. It, I couldn't believe it. I was um, I was commentating for free on a club radio station. And our commentary position was next to where the Capital Gold reporter sits. And so I got to know them quite well. And sometimes Jonathan Pierce himself would be there commentating on, on, uh, on the club. And I got chatting and I just said, you know, I'd really like love the opportunity one day to do some reporting. And um, amazingly, a few weeks later, um, I was asked to go to Fulham against Northampton in the first round of the FA Cup. And uh, instead of listening to Jonathan Pierce commentating, he was suddenly queuing to me um, at Craven Cottage. And I just couldn't believe it. I just thought I'd made it. (laughs) I just thought this is as good as it gets, really. You know, I sat there for about five hours terrified of moving in case I was needed at any point. And in reality, I think I only went on air about three times. Um, but it was just the biggest thrill of my life. And uh, and that's how it all started for me. And I thought, right, I've, st- I've started reporting. Now I really want to be commentating. Yeah, yeah. And it's a bloody hard job. I've had a go at it. And it's not it's not for me, I don't think. It's, it's a lot more difficult than I think a lot of people will give it credit for. So huh. what would you say is the hardest aspects of the job? And there's a lot to get used to when you first start because you're not just there to talk for the sake of it. And one of the things that took a lot of getting used to for me going from radio into TV was learning when not to talk, when to say nothing at all. Because, you know, we're all football fans. We all go to watch our clubs. And, um, you know, when you're sitting in your seat, you don't have some irritant describing the action that you can see you need you know the person commentating needs to be telling you things that you can't see or that you don't know um and giving you a little bit of insight um because they've spoken to the people involved or they've got you know a handful of really important stats they want to convey and you know you'll know from watching the fl on sky we're very big on corner box stats bottom left hand corner you know if it's getting towards the end of the game, have they scored a lot of goals in the final 15 minutes? What's their record at um, hanging on to a lead? So we'll try and incorporate that just to add a little bit of um, storytelling to the match that you can't see. So, yeah, learning to do all that, that was um, the biggest challenge. And of course, you know, thankfully, I've been doing it for so long now that it's it's kind of second nature. I've seen loads of commentators post pictures of their like notes before a game and it's just this huge grid and you're just like how is this readable how do you make sense of all of that but you need it don't you in case something like i don't know lloyd doily scores his first goal in five years and you're like i need to know how long it is it may never get used but if it does happen like once in a blue moon kind of thing you need to know 
for when that does happen. Um, you, you talk about there how you've worked with loads of different people over the years. I, I was reading something the other day that said you've worked with more than 100 co-commentators. So without wanting to you know, upset anyone, who would you hmm. say is your favourite one to work with? Oh, man. I mean, that's impossible. <laughs> it really, I mean, it, it, the good thing is that I've really enjoyed working with all of them um, for various different reasons. Um, what I would say is that the more you work with someone, the more you get to know them, they get to know you, um, you understand their style, they understand yours. So um, it flows better. That's what you want. I've worked with, with Chris Sutton for the very first time on Sunday at Norwich against Blackburn, and he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and, and we had a really good understanding straight away. That doesn't always happen, you know, particularly if it's a less experienced COCOM. Um, you know, I've done a lot of games with Lee Hendry, um, obviously Don, uh, Don Goodman and, and Andy Hinchcliffe, and I, I can promise you these guys work their socks off. The amount of preparation they do ahead of a game is, is mind-blowing. Some of them actually have more information than I do <laughs> when we're standing there on the gantry. Um, and again, they really make it their job to talk to everyone involved to try and get a rounded picture of the fixture. Um, so yeah, they're incredibly hardworking. And I think that is very, very important in a co-com. What, what do you make of the abuse certain co-commentators get? Because I see it quite a lot during games and on social media. Of course, if you're commentating on the game, then you may not have seen it, but I regularly see it when there's a live game and co-commentators get a lot of stick for just yeah. simply giving their opinion. That's just the nature of the job and it's the nature of social media. Um, I think what you've got to remember is, you know, a lot of the people watching support one of the teams. Yeah. So they are, as a viewer, I've got to be very careful here, but as a viewer, they are inherently biased towards one of those teams. So if you've got someone who is neutral criticizing one of those teams, the one that you support, then your, the, your immediate reaction is, oh, they're so biased. <laughs> um, and the reality is the opposite's true. They're not biased and actually you are biased. Uh, and the idea that someone who is a fan of a team is the perfect arbiter to decide whether a commentator is biased or not is obviously ridiculous the more you think about it. Um, and what I would say is it's water off a duck's back for all of these guys. Um, you know, they're all very experienced. You'll notice that most of them aren't on social media <laughs> um, because they don't need to read it. They don't need to see it. Um, it's about doing a good job. That's what it's about is... Is everyone on the OB happy? Have you analysed the game? Have you used the t statistics that we have to give a broad picture? Um, and all of those guys are just brilliant at it. And of course, it's also their job to give an opinion. And you might not agree with their opinion, but it's given in good faith, I can promise you. There's not one of those cocons who is biased. If they did that, it would just be so crazy because... The producer would say, well, you know, you're obviously biased. I'm not going to use you again. You know, they're there to do a job. Uh, and, it, and it's like crossing the white line. You might be friends with someone on the opposite team. But once the, once kickoff happens, you're there to do a job. And they might even support one of those teams. But once 
once the kickoffs happen, you pick up the microphone. You're not a fan at the moment. You are there to do a job and analyze the game. So, um, so yeah, I think, as I say, they've been there, seen it, done it all. Um, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter to them at all. It's like they're, they're focused on doing a good job. On the flip side, has there been a particularly challenging moment that you had to comment on? Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that, actually, because um, a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember, um, I was on air um, with Lee Hendry. It was um, Reading against Sheffield United and John Fleck collapsed and had a seizure on the pitch. Um, and that's just a really difficult moment because, you know, you've suddenly gone from talking about a football game to a, to a medical condition where you're all just sort of praying everything's going to be okay. Um, and uh, we obviously, we didn't know how long it was going to last or um, even if the game might be um, postponed or the players might go into the dressing room. So, um, yeah, that was a big challenge. And, and I, my rule there is like, again, it's not about us. So I, I, I basically said as little as possible because the worst thing you can do, I think, is is speculate. You know, we're not medical experts. Um, and we just sort of said, you know, we're, we're all sort of hoping for the best here. Um, and in the end, I think it was about nine or ten minutes. It was a very long nine or ten minutes for everyone. Um, but I was really pleased that um, it, it, it was about him and it wasn't about us putting our, foot, our feet in it, as it were. Um, that you know that was a very challenging moment. There was another Champions League game I was doing where um, I was doing it from Sky, and suddenly it started snowing, and the players had to come off the pitch. And they said to us, "Look, you've just got to keep going because there's no studio here. It's just you guys. So keep talking." <laughs> and um, I, I was with David Phillips, and we didn't know how long that was going to last. And we just sort of started trading snow stories <laughs> from our youth <laughs> um, and to, until the players came back. And I think it was about 20 minutes. It was, again, a really long 20 minutes and fair play to anyone that stuck with it. Speaking of which, what's the funniest moment you can think of from the <laughs> years of commentating? Well, I mean, that, well, that must be quite um, up there. Gosh, there's so many. I mean, un unintentionally funny, I suppose. Um, I won't name names here, but I was doing a game um, at Hull and um, the co-com I was with, who was just one of the loveliest guys ever, he was very nervous about pronunciations and um, we went through them all beforehand. And I don't know if you remember, there was a guy who played at Hull called Say Olofinjana. Yeah. Um, he was a very, very good midfielder and he was yeah. actually bossing it during the game. Absolutely brilliant. Um, but the Cocom was really struggling with his name. And uh, we, you know, we rehearsed it quite a few times. And of course, it, he, I, could, I could feel him sweating every time he had to try and say it. And we had various different versions. And in the end, <laughs> we're in the second half and um, he said, oily vagina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, the director, um, one of Sky's <laughs> top directors, Sarah Cheadle, she just got the giggles. And I was hearing her giggling in my ear, and I was trying not to giggle, aware that we were going live to 200 <laughs> countries, because it was on the Premier League world feed. Um, and, yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a very funny moment. And there's always something like that that can that can crop up and, and and interviews as well remember we do a lot of interviews after the game too and you never know how that's going to go um 
you know, sometimes you might get a manager who's in a really bad mood after a defeat. And um, this isn't funny, but um, it might be funny if you're watching. I had, you know, I've had managers who, you know, maybe try to trip me up or just give you a load of one word answers. Um, and you've got to try and negotiate your way through that as well. So, yeah, it's all fun and games. Go on. You, you've got to name some manager now who you really found difficult to, to work with when you were speaking to them after a game. <laughs> it, it's not necessarily um, a, a particular manager. It can just be this, the circumstances. So one of the worst ones I had actually was um, Rafa Benitez after um, in a Liverpool game when, when they'd only drawn. They should have won the game. And I thought he would be fine, but he, yeah, Sky played the interview so many times and I was just cringing every time because I was just trying to keep it going um, because he was just giving me really, really short answers. If I was getting three words, I was doing well. And um, yeah, you know, my, my producer just said, look, this is not a reflection on you at all. I think we're playing it because it actually shows his state of mind rather than yours. Um, and I think I got it up to about 90 seconds um, and I was I was pleased with that. Uh, <laughs> there have been once or twice where Mick McCarthy gave me a tough time um, and funnily enough I ended up doing some co-coms with him um, for TalkSport and I reminded him of those occasions and he, was, he insisted it never happened <laughs> <laughs> because with a lot of these managers the the match day persona is so so different to the off-air um, persona when they haven't got the pressure of management and with Mick McCarthy it was like two different people you know he tried to trip me up on air and and then when he was a co-com he was just the most utterly charming guy that you could you could wish to to work with so I think I think that the pressure of management does strange things to people. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. What's the best individual performance you've seen while commentating on a game, Gary? Wow, best individual performance. That's really, really tough. Um, because I've, you know, in my radio days, I did a few trips to Barcelona and saw Messi just absolutely killing it. Um, there's a couple of times. There was once in the Champions League against Lyon when he was just incredible. A couple of times against Chelsea when he played quite well. Um, so, yeah, that's... That's a really, really difficult one. There was a game. There was a game when Tottenham put nine past Wigan, um, and they scored eight of those nine goals in the second half. And Jermaine Defoe scored five. But even though he scored five goals, he wasn't man of the match. It was Aaron Lennon who scored and set up a hatful of the others. Um, and that was one of the best individual performances I've ever seen live. Um, that was a real 
real pleasure to commentate on that. And funnily enough, he refused to be interviewed after the game. <laughs> we, were, we were practically begging him. And um, he said, yeah, yeah, I'll be back in a minute. And he went to the dressing room and went out through the fire escape to avoid our questions. Um, so, some players just hate being interviewed, even after they've won... 9-1 and you know it's going to be the easiest interview in the world there's going to be no difficult questions they just don't want to do it and you know not, not everyone wants to have a microphone shoved in their face it's, I'm not having a go at him at all um, but I was so disappointed because it was such an incredible virtuoso performance yeah yeah I, I do remember that game quite well I forgot that Defoe didn't even win man of the match that seems insane doesn't it um, right Gary this is a rare chance for you to be a pundit for once now, I'm going to put you on the spot here yeah. and ask you for your predictions for the championship season. Considering you must have seen quite a bit of it at this point, I need you to put your neck on the line here. So first off, who do you reckon is going up this season in the championship? <sighs> well, I mean, it kind of looks um, done and dusted already, doesn't it? If you look, yeah. if you look at it purely um, dispassionately without looking at the teams involved, you know, Leicester have been a cut above, I think. I know they lost, but... From what I've seen, um, they just look the real deal to me. Um, I think I think they're definitely going up. The, obviously, the really interesting one is Ipswich, who, who've surprised us all, um, coming up from League One and having the sort of season they are having. Um, and I did their game uh, at Rotherham during the week. They've had to show a different side because they've gone behind in both games at Birmingham and Rotherham and fought back. Um, and obviously sh they should have won the game um, in the week and, and obviously Rotherham a different kettle of fish at home um, But they, so just a couple of draws there which has just allowed the teams coming up from behind to close the gap a tiny bit I mean I think it's still 8 points isn't it um, and it's been so long since Ipswich were in the Premier League was it 2001, 2002 I think um, mm. Yeah, a long time ago. I think just as from a, new, a neutral point of view, I think it would be fantastic to see them back in the Premier League, see how they get on. I think that he, Kieran McKenna, absolutely brilliant young manager who I've got a lot of time for. Um, so whether they do it or not, I'm not sure. But I'm certainly, I, I'm certainly backing both of them, the two that are there now. Obviously, Leeds are, are waiting in the wings for Ipswich to slip up. Um, and I really like what Daniel Farke is doing. Um, I think he's really sort of finding his feet in that job now and, and they're looking the real deal as well. So I think if the, the likelihood is it's going to be two from those three, but uh, I'm, I'm going to um, stick my neck out and, and go with the two that are there at the moment. And then at the other end of the table, who do you think is going down? Because there's a few teams struggling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, th that's harder. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a lot harder. Um it's difficult to stick your neck out on that one um, because that's it's one that can change. I think I think we're going to see a fair bit of chopping and changing when it comes to the bottom of the the championship. I mean, looking at it right now, um, you know, Sheffield Wednesday have obviously just had one win, um, and it's looking bleak for them because they're nine points from safety. So I can't really make a case for them staying up. Um, QPR have also changed their manager. And I think, you know, Sifuentes is a little bit of an unknown quantity. He seems to be quite a demanding guy. He's got a six-point gap to close. Um, you know, they've only won twice. Obviously, it can be done. Um, 
and you know that they sort of halted the the losing run with a draw but he wasn't happy was he um and then Rotherham who you know for so many years are sort of up and down um they have a relegation season and a promotion season they kind of stopped that last season but they're right back in the mix of it again so you know if if, if you look at the table right now because there's a four point gap between Rotherham and, and Huddersfield it's you're thinking to yourself, well, it could it be those three right now? But um, you know, Huddersfield aren't impressing anyone, are they? And and I'm I'm sad to see Coventry City down there because you know they made a real go at promotion last season. Um, I think Mark Robbins is such an underrated manager, and you know they're they're definitely struggling at the moment as well. So if you had to really push me, I would probably go with the three that are there now. Um, but listen, that's what we love about this division. It's just impossible to make predictions. And if you do, you look like a bit of a mug anyway. So, um, uh, I wouldn't like to, I, w I wouldn't put money on it, put it that way. Yeah. And us being made to look a mug is something that we're very used to on the second tier at this point, having made lots of false predictions over the years. Uh, final question, Gary, and this is probably the biggest question of all. Is the championship the best league in the world? It I think pound for pound, you can make a really good case for saying that um, in terms of value for money, in terms of entertainment, in terms of surprises, um, in terms of the quality of football, um, in terms of overseas audience. I think people sometimes forget that, that of obviously you've got the big five leagues, but the championship is right up there in the top 10 most watched leagues. Um and that's why it has this um, this world feed, which goes far and wide. Over a hundred countries buy into the the championship, um, and part of that is because obviously it's a, a the gateway to the Premier League. But it's also because of the entertainment value. So, as I said right at the start, I absolutely love, love, love working on the championship, and I hope I keep doing so for many years. And and yeah, I think as I say, pound for pound, I think you can make a very, very good case for it being the best. How's that? <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with you, Gary. Uh, listen, mate, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and all the best for the rest of the season. Thanks so much. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. We'll be back again on Sunday. Second Tier is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.